Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Hello, and this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein speaking to you. And as you can see, it's not my usual beautiful voice, so I am a little bit hoarse today, and everyone always wants to know, why did you get that? into that and why did you attract that problem well it was very simple I was sitting and spending the weekend 14 hours a day at the workshop and uh, it was a fabulous workshop I must say Uh, but it was the 14 hours a day intensive and we were sitting the hundreds of us with the cold air blowing over our heads and of course when you're sensitive to those cold air conditioning blows, it hits you. So on the second day, I had lost my voice completely. I couldn't even talk to anyone. It's kind of a strange experience. And yesterday on Sunday, it was the same. I couldn't speak. Sometimes I could whisper. And then I realized, oh my God, I have a show today. I'm going to have my dear friend uh, Randall uh, with me. Uh, And um, he is here to speak about uh, about our souls and about a little bit more about what we are. Randall Shelton, he is um, a man who has been researching uh, all kinds of paranormal topics. And he was raised a Methodist, and he would tell me a little bit more about that maybe. And uh, he has gone a completely different direction. He has a bachelor's degree in psychology, philosophy, and religion, and he is um, channeling uh, energy entities and uh, has done so for a long time. He is also a member of Toastmasters, and that's why we couldn't do this on a Tuesday, because he's busy on Tuesdays and always busy on Tuesdays. Anyway, I have him here. You are there, Randall? I'm here, I'm here. And I know you have been telling me, oh, don't speak so much, Helena, because of your voice. It's not as bad for me uh, to speak as it is probably for you to listen to it. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> but so hang in there, and someone even called up a little while ago, and he asked for me, and I didn't want to speak to anyone with this voice, so I said, oh, no, she's not home. And he said, thank you, sir. I call you up later. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. So evidently, I'm not quite as sexy sounding as someone told me or tried to tell me that I was. But uh, I'm very impressed that I have been able to get my voice back even this far. So I can tell everyone. It works with the light. Use the light, and it works for you and with you. So, um, uh, Randall Shelton, you have written a book, and you asked me to say the full title, which I will do right now. It is Life on Earth, colon, The Game, a manual for those who didn't bring theirs. And I think this is a great title. And why did you call it like this? And why did you write the book, Randall? Helena, my my experiences uh, after I decided that there were some things that didn't quite uh, line up in my church experience as an adult uh, from the standpoint of what some of the people that were very heavily involved in it. Uh, so I decided to check out further into other fields and after having done so I realized that gee whiz there's an awful lot more to this thing we're calling life on earth and and I don't think uh, very many people really stop long enough to think about what is this life about you know we're, we're so involved most people are so involved in survival uh, making sure this, that, or the other, taking care of the kids, running here and there, uh, or worse yet, sitting and watching the television set. But 
understanding better what life could possibly be is not really that difficult if you just open up to it. And so after many years of a lot of different experiences and reading many, many, many books, but primarily the experiences that I had after moving over into the field of the paranormal, I realized that it was just, uh, there was just a whole lot more. And most people really, I think, were so involved in this this whole almost rat race of a game that it's time to uh, offer a, a different look. And so Life on Earth, I see as a cosmic game. And, the, you know, a person has to pull back there and kind of get their head around that to begin with. But uh, we were really given an outline of what it was we wanted to do when we came into this body and uh but we didn't get to take notes you know we we took mental notes but we probably got we forgot well yeah we probably got some misinformation of the first 3 or 4 years or 5 years that we found ourselves here in the game and uh we forgot that's right yeah yeah, we forgot. So in other words, you're saying that is a plan for each one of us. We set the plan out as far as I can tell, and uh, there have been a number of, of uh, books written about individual or by individuals who are, have very good qualifications as uh, researchers, not researchers, but uh, psychologists and, and counselors and one in particular, one that he's even read, uh, written three books, is uh, Michael Newton. And his book Sorry, Michael of, who? Michael Newton. Okay. Uh, Journey of Souls is the book, his, the book I like in particular. And you can get him on YouTube and other places, I'm sure, now, because he's, I think he's probably... Uh, an extremely popular individual to have. I'm surprised uh, you haven't already had him, Helena, but I'm sure you will want to because he's I a will great, want to. Yes, he's a great source. But there are others. Uh, he his book was not the first one I read. I read another one by a, a man who's an MD and a PhD out of Canada, and uh, uh-huh. he had a phenomenal book, you know, and. Having having not been involved personally in counseling and, and regressive hypnosis, uh, I have to take and and uh, choose to take the the case history reports of these individuals who take the time because writing a book takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and uh, the person who goes into that yeah who goes into that uh, I, I I feel they're they're credible. Uh, yeah, and I have noticed when I have, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one work with people all over the world, basically, and I have found in my research with these thousands of people, yes, there is a plan. We all come to this earth or to this dimension or to this particular reality with a plan. We have it there in us. We just, as you said, we've forgotten. We don't know. But we feel all the time in our hearts when we are approaching that plan, when we are get, when we are touching it, because then we feel so happy, don't we? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, you know where I think the the plan is is uh, imprinted within our what nature within our being. I think mm-hmm. the plan is the soul, and I think that's why we feel so. Good when we are doing the things that we know to be uh, online, uh, right in on target with what it is we really wanted to accomplish when we came here and to experience. Yeah. So when we are really driven to do things, 
it's actually our plan that is put trying to push through to our consciousness. Is that so? I would say that's a, a very good way to describe it. Yeah, that uh, in, interestingly enough, uh, <laughs> you say trying to push through. I'm not really sure that it tries to push through because I don't think it's probably not uh, a pushy situation. Mm-hmm. I think but I was thinking also in a way that let's say we have uh, the physical needs uh, we want to live, and I say want, uh, to live a, a life of, of fame and, and glamour and lots of money and the fast cars and the big foods and everything else. And we are kind of blinded by that. And then there is that little voice saying, no, 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 try this instead. And, and that's why what I meant with trying to push through. Yes, yes. The, the flicker gets... Bolder, more bold, yeah. <laughs> and and what you just described, uh, Helena, is in my opinion the game, the glitter and the glamour of this game, which has been enabled by the game to take uh, precedence because of the creative nature of human of the human, mm-hmm. the so the spirit that's operating within the physical form. Uh, the creativity of that spirit is so phenomenal that we see all these things that have been created. And it's a catch-22. They've been created and they become such a distraction to us, we've forgotten what we are. Yeah, we, and even in our lifetime right now, in this particular lifetime, we forget our potential and we forget who we are. And um, that's uh, also what they're teaching now in all these motivational uh, workshops and lectures that we have to go to the core of what we are. And uh, so you mean that we this is the soul that we actually are driven by? The uh, I I didn't understand your last question. This is the what? The soul, soul, our soul that is trying to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I I think that our our guidance is is soul. We are not soul. The guidance is soul. We are energy, and we are consciousness. Primarily, we're consciousness first off, and then we are love, all wrapped up in the consciousness, and we are light, and we are spirit energy. But the soul is that which, as you say, is trying to to peek through, to encourage us to do this. Hey, wake up and remember that this is what you wanted to experience while you were here. <clears throat> because I think these these things, the major things that we wanted to experience when we come into this life, um, we actually design ourselves. We do this ourselves. It isn't something that somebody from the outside, you know, the big man in the sky, he doesn't tell us, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, you're supposed to do this. No, no, no. We set up this whole blueprint, I call it. Um, uh, I forget now, I think it's Marilyn Ferguson or Louise Hay or somebody who calls it a contract. Same same thing. We have a contract with ourselves, and it is a program which we set up, and then we get it all lined up, and then we come into physical form, and there's something about that switch that takes place. If not right then, it's very soon after then that we, this unit of consciousness that we are, we are almost uh, separated from that blueprint. And it's the process of life that we carry on here as we're going along day by day, moment by moment, that we're trying to reconnect to that blueprint. Anyway, interesting. Helen, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, and that is a great way of seeing it. And so you're saying that we can all sit down maybe right now and reevaluate our contract. 
Oh, not only can we, probably should. <laughs> yes. <Not> and <laughs> it's not easy. It's That's the hook. You know, it, this is not easy. This game was designed, in my opinion, by masters who, who, first of all, created an illusion because what we see is not real and uh, as real as we think it is. And uh, they they created a game that actually has consciousness. Yeah. And so we are we are inside this game and we're moving along through it. And the game says, "Ah ha ha! You still don't remember, do you? You don't remember, do you?" And so, and you don't even remember that you're all you're all on the same team, you know. And yeah. That. That's why they. I think that's why we have such strong feelings of compassion when we see somebody hurting or somebody who's going without food. Or these are the little indicators that, hey, they're no different than we are. It's we just have forgotten. Yeah. yeah I, I like this idea so much about having a contract, you know, with life. And uh, I think after this show, uh, I'm going to sit down and, and make a contract with myself saying this is what is going now to be set in my life. This is what I have wishes for in my life. And this is what we should, and what I want to have or what I wish for is really in my heart. And then I know it's going to work better. Is that how we should do it? <clears throat> well, I don't know. I don't want to be accused of being putting out shoulds, first of all. But uh, the choice, of course. Yes, yes, we have a choice, absolutely. But the the thing that uh, that has come very, very clear to me is that if we sit quietly every day and get to the point where we can become totally quiet, inner peace, total quiet, then there are going to be, I found, there are going to be things disclosed to us that we have absolutely no idea is waiting there. Beautiful uh, suggestions, beautiful disclosures that obviously we put into our blueprint and... um, we're just so busy that we're not paying any attention to it. And the only way that we're going to uncover that design that we set out for ourselves, we set it for ourselves. The only way yes, to find yes, out yeah. what that design is is to get mm-hmm. quiet, really yeah. quiet. And uh, I hope everyone would follow that advice because I think in our hurdle here in life to try to cope with the bills and the economy and, and, you know, getting along with each other, we forget to sit down and be quiet and to find stillness. Uh, That brings us to another point uh, that I think is extremely important today. Um, I see the radical Islamic movement as being a virus that's sweeping across the planet, Mm -hmm. uh, a virus of hate. And uh, I think it's perhaps maybe the final challenge. I hate to say it that way, but it just very well may be. And there is no way to kill off that virus with uh, ammunition with guns with other what evidence of hate we cannot kill it with hate so the only way to take care of this situation is for us individually to find our that inner core that you talk about that we know what we are and when we come to know that, the vibrations 
which we are, which all of us are, which everything is, the vibrations will change and the hatred vibrations of the radical Islamic, I'm saying that, may want to point that out to be extremely different than Islam. The yes, radical absolutely. Islam movement mm-hmm. is uh, will, will just be smothered. It'll just be smothered. And, and it's, yeah. that's the only way it will be uh, handled. And that's the way with anything, of course, that is energy, that if you have a dark energy, you send in the energy of the light, etc. Um, I uh, had his head tell what happens when you die or what, what happens when we die. So now we are here as, as beings and we live a plan, and now we die. Uh, what happens, Randall? Well, number one, we don't die like everybody thinks. Okay. Um I don't like that word die. You know, my wife and I, I don't think we've used the word die in years. Um, we just transition onto another dimension. Uh, I, We just, you know, everybody thinks they're their body, and that's something else we've forgotten. We're not the physical body. Uh, this, this fantastically beautiful, complicated, complex form that we're functioning in is designed and made available to us in its wonderfully flexible and and delightfully sensitive way um, to experience on this planet emotion. That's, mm-hmm. that's the main thing that we can do with this body. Lord knows. And what we happens can, now when we die? Oh well, the body the body quits. We move into another dimension. Now the reason I know this is because in one of the groups, one of the many groups that I've been in, and my wife with me, uh, we contacted an individual who turns out. He was 18 years old. He'd been killed by a car. And everything that we got in the way of information from him, interestingly enough, on a Ouija board, which I think is an excellent tool for communicating with other dimensions, um, everything that he told us was read back to us, or read back, yeah, you know, read back to me from the. Uh, accident report division of the Colorado State Patrol. I was in Colorado at the time, living at the time, and this individual had been, in fact, uh, hit by a car, and he moved out of his body, and on the dimension he was on, I think he traveled through the folds of time because his death had been uh, realized by him uh, five years prior to when he communicated with us. So that's an, uh, that opened up a whole great big new room, Helena, you know? Yeah. I notice in my one-on-ones, again, that people really have lived before, and there's no question about it. And somehow they have brought those memories with them into this lifetime. And I see this every day. It's just the reason why some people get certain diseases that no one can explain. And even cancer many times is just a memory from a past lifetime. And it's been released in this uh, or been awakened in this lifetime through some kind of stress uh, situation. And uh, this comes up all the time. I see there were a few callers here while you were speaking, but they were hanging up because I didn't get back with them soon enough and I'm sorry so if you people want to call back in again please try again and um, so uh, now um, they found out uh, they did the Gallup uh, you know uh, what do you call it uh, the Gallup uh, organization found out that um, 81% of people in this country believe in a heaven and 69% of people believe there is a hell. Now, 
what is what is this about heaven and hell? Is there such a place as a heaven? Is there such a place as a hell? What what is your opinion? I I think uh, those concepts. You want to remember where those where concepts come from. Uh, heaven come from, in my orientation, came out of the, my religious teachings in the Methodist Church, and they talked about heaven. Uh, occasionally, fortunately, they talked about hell only occasionally because my orient, orientation was not hell-bound, uh, nor was it devil-oriented. Um, those concepts, as far as I'm concerned, are nothing more than uh, ideas presented to man in order to control man and they came from way back way back uh, I think uh, there's one church in particular that generated a massive following through fear and the whole concept of hell was their major controlling factor and uh, heaven was their carrot out in front of the people and and uh, the way to know how to how to control all this situation and how to how to best uh, make sure you get to heaven is you come through our portals and hear what we have to say and but be sure and bring your money because uh, that's how this whole thing works and and I think it's I, hell is there if you think it's there I'm quite sure that there are people who have passed beyond this life experience and because of the fears that they had pumped into them as a human being they're having problems because they take as far as I know what you believe is what's going to be the minute you move out of your body and so if you're fearful of death and you're fearful of hell, then that's going to be a confrontation for you when you move out of this physical form. Yes, um, but of course people it, are scared of dying because of hell also. I'm sorry, my phone... Some, sometimes what? people are fearful of dying because they they are fearful of what is ahead of them. You know, they believe that maybe they will yeah. end up in, in a place that's terrible. And yeah. uh, I personally believe that we create our hell here on earth and we create our heaven here on earth. But I like to, to believe also in a, a hereafter life. Uh, and when I have been connecting with people who are on the other side, which I do sometimes, uh, yeah. They are happy where they are, and they are sometimes in what I would call a place, heaven, like a heaven. Yeah. Some people uh, actually are still uh, cannot believe that they are now in a place of peace or relaxation, and they're still working. <laughs> you know, they're still you know being farmers, <laughs> and they're still busy with that. They cannot leave that behind. But otherwise, I see they are happy that there is a place like a heaven. But I've never seen anyone being in a place like a hell. I think it's because of the, uh, the the great difference between your vibrations, you know, yours and my vibrations, and theirs. I don't think we would ever be able to uh, make that connection because of the extreme difference in vibrations. So, no, I think. Uh, and that's very well put, I think, Randall. I like that. Um, and again, for those who are Do you have any callers? Do you have some uh, yes, callers? They haven't come back yet. You had two or oh, three okay. callers, and I didn't get back with them soon enough, and now they're oh. not not there. But, uh, so we have to keep on asking questions here. And again, for those who have come in uh, right now live, and uh, several live listeners, uh, we, um, this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein. My voice is slightly different today, but it will be back to its normal self, I suppose, in a few days. And I have my guest, Randall Shelton, with me. And um, Randall's, uh, Randall has a bachelor's degree in psychology, philosophy, and religion from the University of Denver. 
and he spent the past 30 years researching religious and metaphysical topics. So um, now talking about more a little bit of the out of the ordinary ghosts. Who becomes a ghost of us? Will you come back as a ghost, Randall? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I hope not. I I think probably I think probably I I call uh, the ghost element the, those who fall through the cracks. You know they. Okay. They they don't they didn't give um, the the afterlife any kind of any thought they didn't give any idea as to uh, the concept of who they were they didn't they gave no thought to uh, God or their Creator and so uh, they just kind of when they passed out of their body they were so shocked that they just hang around the earth you know that's uh, after all, the Earth is a dimension and a vibration, and so uh, I think you can go anywhere you want to go when you get out of. Uh, honestly, when you get out of this body, you can go anywhere you want to go. And uh, the one thing that made that fairly clear to me was when I was speaking to that boy who had been killed by a car in Colorado. I asked him to look around and see if there was any. Thing, a light or a tone or something that had been right there with him from the time the very instant of his passing out of out of his body and there was a small pause and then he said yes well I've always kicked myself for not asking what it was but I didn't so I I said well it's been waiting for you to acknowledge it it's been waiting to take you on to where you are really supposed to be because where you are now um, is not where you're supposed to be. And the reason I knew that is because uh, I wasn't even working the Ouija board. There were two very good friends of mine who I respected as to their capability and their interests and, and their honesty. And the, the uh, planchet just just waved around over the board, just frantic. It was just moving here, here and there, and here and there, and here and there. And and we actually had to get it to calm down a little before we could uh, get it to stop on whatever letters it uh, wanted to stop on in order to communicate with us. So, uh, but it so yeah, I, I grew up in a house with ghosts, and uh, the original site of this house is year 1466, which is a long, long, long time ago. And at that time, they also would bury the first, uh, you know, um, people who lived there under the house, or the, 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 the head of the family who built the house, he would build, be buried under the house. And... Uh, it, that house has never been peaceful, and the people who lived there in the house have all, through the generations, have all experienced ghosts, including myself. And those ghosts have not been at peace, and they have not been at peace with each other, because there were people who hated each other in the lifetime, and they still hated each other after life, and they still lived in the same house. They couldn't move on. Right. Well, and it was very, very hell. hard to get rid of them. There's hell for you, Helena. <laughs> well, you know, isn't that a good explanation? <laughs> oh, there's hell for you. Gee, yeah. to be to have to hang around the same house that you were in 400, 600 years ago, and uh, yeah, and and fight with your neighbor, neighbors or kin still going on now. I'll tell you. And yeah, then we come here, no wonder we people who, who get that, uh, and for instance, my granddaughter, who is very psychic and everything else, she got like black in her face just spending too much time in that house because she was so possessed by that energy, and I had to really clear her away from that. And, yeah, uh, well, I, see, now I don't believe that, personally, that those things will ever happen to me because I... I just don't believe that 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 energy has that much control over my energy. Uh, I don't know why, but I just don't believe that. And I think how we believe 
what we believe, the strength of our beliefs, and the direction of our beliefs uh, are indicative of the type of of a uh, what a life we're going to have now and a life we'll have later. That's all. Yeah, based absolutely. On do you believe we here on Earth are the only beings in the universe? Oh, we, of course not. Heavens, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, another experience I had in a another in, in one of the groups that I was in, uh, we had the opportunity to communicate with. Uh, what some people like call them ETs, and it was amazing the things that were going on out there in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. So does that answer you? Does that answer your question? Yes. You weren't I'm ready done. for that. <laughs> I you weren't ready for that, that were you? <laughs> no, I I believe this universe is full of everything, and you know. There are people who live, let's say, in Africa right now, and that's their lives, uh, life, and they don't believe in anything outside of that one. And uh, there are people in the United States of America somewhere in places, and they have lived there all their lives, and they believe, of course, they know there is a life outside of, of their community and outside of America. But, you know, they're very, very centered around where they live, and this is how we all tend to be. So to believe that we are the only beings in this universe, to me, is also kind of absurd. Of course there's everything out there. Of course. Oh, and I know a little bit more even about it, but I'm not bringing that into my spiritual work because uh, then uh, people have too much to digest from me. <laughs> and I can just <laughs> say that there is so much out there that we uh, do not even know uh, about, and we haven't seen it. But, of course, there's more life out there. Uh, and there's more life so, to us also. Oh, yes. yes. This, it's just so fantastic. Our our life experience and the things that we are doing here are just a very small indication of everything that is possible. Uh, in, in order to uh, kind of, I'll give you an idea. One of the connections that we had was with uh, some of the individuals who traveled the cosmos, and they they said that uh, our planet was in catch this quadrant forty five. <laughs> about that, our solar system was in quadrant forty five. Wow, that takes us kind of little isolated. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah. yeah. That's a far that's far away from, you know, further away than Midwest. <clears throat> so, uh, of the universe. <laughs> so, uh, uh what do you feel about religion though? Uh, you grew up with a Methodist church uh, and what did you what were you taught to believe in at that time and what have you found out was far off? from that time and what you have realized now? You know, I've never been asked that question, Helen. I'll have to just take it from the, off the cuff. Um, the things that I think the religion, the churches do are are wonderful. Some of the things they do are absolutely wonderful, wonderful because what they do is they create community. Mm-hmm. And there are people who... Uh, I mean, we need to have community because we need to understand that we are one. And And I'm glad uh, you bring that up, the good side of the churches, because they get a lot of rap about the other side of of the church. Yeah, well, I've already talked about the the other side of it, but uh, uh, like everything, you know, there's a, a positive and a negative to everything within this workshop we call Earth. This, again, the, I haven't indicated this, but my whole idea about Earth is it's just a workshop in relationships that spiritual energy can participate in. And uh, the only way they can participate in it is in the 
vehicle of choice, which is the human body. But the in churches, uh, the, they're just another opportunity for people to have relationships. And they are put together to further the concept of God and uh, the creator and the very valid concepts, uh, probably the truths. Uh, unfortunately, uh, many of them think they have the truth and the absolute truth. And the, one of the first things that I learned in the con connections that we made in some of the groups was there is no absolute truth on this planet, mm -hmm. interestingly enough. So The truth uh, is that it's everything. I mean, you have everything in the truth. It's like having white light and you slow down the white light and then you have all colors in that. And that's the same with the truth. I would yes. think you have everything yes. in the truth. Yes, but there is no absolute truth on this planet. So the people who think that the, the word is the absolute word that they're reading and the way they're interpreting it, there is the unfortunate aspect of churches. And... Uh, and uh, their intent is good, but when they start throwing sinners and you are sin and you are born in sin, that's when I get up and leave, because that is an that is an absolute down and out manipulation concept that they put out in order to control people. I want to remember that the different religions are what is almost as large, if not as large, as the national governments. You know. Well, of course, religion, like uh, I'm Swedish, and we have, uh, up to very recently, we had uh, a state church in Sweden, which was the only real church, which was the Lutheran church, the Protestant church. Mm -hmm. And anyone else, if you were a Baptist or Methodist, you were not part of that state church. And so, and that was taught in all the schools. And and if you were going to move or get married, you have to go to your local church and kind of get the papers from them. Which from a you know a, a country like Sweden, which has absolutely no religion <laughs> at all in a way, was was very absurd. Uh, and also, people in Sweden, unfortunately, they have forgotten the word God. So if you mention the word God in Sweden you are, like, far out. You're not part of society. This is not a social, this is not a word you're supposed to use. Whereas in America, this is a word that everyone says very, very freely and at any time, and no one is shocked by it. And I think that is kind of nice to be able to say that. And this freedom that you have to say that uh, word at any time. Yeah, it's uh, this whole thing about the creator and the God and source and all these things. You know, everybody has a little different word and a little different slant on it, but the thing of it is, it's everybody has it. And that's yeah. what's extremely amazing and comforting almost to me because... Uh, and the other thing that I've noticed, uh, I had an aha one day, and that was, you you have, look in the National Geographic, because it's one of the most international exposures of humanity. Mm -hmm. And the primary, uh, what, attitude on the part of people is to smile. They almost always smile, especially when the camera's put on. And I think that's the soul coming out. You know, the joy, we are joy, and we don't even, we're not even aware of it most of the time because of the, of the distractions and the troubles and the survival element that is endemic in this doggone life we're living here on earth we just forgotten that we are joy a baby when the baby smiles for the first time isn't that a heartwarming experience it's like 
the soul is really shining through that baby. Yes, yes. And speaking of babies, the thing that uh, is terribly unfortunate is that people start very soon saying, no, no, don't know that, oh, you, oh, you, you know, start putting them down instead of building them up, blessing yes. them, and uh, allowing them to expand. So uh, the contract you talked about before that we should uh, do with ourselves or write with ourselves or sign with ourselves, babies came with a contract, and then we parents, uh, we we kind of ruin that then maybe, do we? I think we help to bury it. Yeah, we help to cover it up because by the the ways that we treat them uh, from a standpoint of trying to discipline them. You know, I I am a good friend of a lady who was 11 years old before she realized everybody didn't see auras. And uh, the reason that took place is because she had a mother who... Uh, didn't bother her. Janet talked yeah. about auras and uh, and her mother. In fact, one day she said she told her mother that, that uh, Mrs. Jones is going to slip and fall on the steps over there on the church. And her mother told her dad to get over there to the to the steps. And just as he got there, she slipped and slipped, and he grabbed her. So yeah. wow, these are cool. all gifts that people have, and. Uh, as as babies, oh no, that's just your imagination. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, this kind of put down is the worst thing that an adult can do for a little little one. Yeah. This it's so true that we do not understand our children and children who can see things and the parents say, Oh no, you didn't you don't see that at all and of course yeah. you see it. Yeah. So well uh, uh so you feel that um, this universe is full of planets uh, with life. What kind of planet, What kind of life do you imagine there is out there, like um, people like us? Well, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's another planet very, very similar to Earth with uh, human beings walking around on it. And the reason I say that is because this is such a fantastic place. You know, there would be no reason to to uh, not duplicate this workshop and relationships someplace else in the cosmos yeah. because it's an amazing challenge to spirit. We're also told that there are, a lot of, there are a lot of beings, a lot of spiritual energies that will not come on to Earth because of the challenge. The, the violence and the challenge that takes place on the planet. So, uh, and I know there was uh, someone uh, who, who reported in, in, a, in a newspaper in uh, New York that uh, uh, the former mayor, uh, Guglielmi in uh, New York, that he said, oh, yes, uh, we have plans. So someone asked a question more as a joke. Do you have plans for some kind of ET invasion, and um, Guglielmi said, yes, we do have plans. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sure there are ideas out there that have been planted, and I shouldn't even go into this subject because I have promised myself not to do too much of the ET stuff, but it's no. certainly out there. And uh, it's just that once people start to see these things and talk about them, uh, they are immediately made a fool of by those in charge. Isn't that well, so? And put them into magazines and papers like National Enquirer and so on just to discredit them and their sightings. Yeah, but you know who's behind that. You know what that, when that whole thing, once it's disclosed, the churches are in real trouble because the the churches that have indicated that we are the only ones here, you know, the only ones that God made us, we are it, you know. That's when those uh, energies show up in whatever manner they do. uh, Big change, big change on the part of religion. 
Yeah, and also that Jesus is God's only son when we are all God's children. That's another yeah. point I like to, to bring up. Oh, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, he's, they made him that whole thing. They contrived that whole concept for purposes of manipulating the masses yeah. and controlling and the beliefs and everything. Yeah. And, of course, that's why I, in a way, like Martin Luther a lot, because he caught the... Uh, the Catholics, you know, with the Christian Church, with all these manipulations and changing the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, someone asked me on a show, I think, who is your religious leader? And uh, I couldn't think of anyone. But then I was thinking about, oh yes, Martin Luther is kind of someone I have listened to. It's not that I'm a Lutheran; has nothing to do with it. Because again, as all Swedes know, to be a Lutheran it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> we go to church for Christmas, and we get married in churches, and we're buried in churches. Period. That's it. We have a church attendance of two to three percent, and that's it. <laughs> Oh, well, we, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, so I can say these things, and, and I think um, also I'm a minister, which kind of shocks some people, but, you know, uh, I'm an independent one, and I can wed people, and I do a lot of weddings. And then I mention God maybe once or twice. Uh, I don't mention Jesus, but I'm a great friend of Jesus, so to speak, because anyone who's read my book, will know that because I've had those apparitions in front yes. of me with Jesus yes. appearing in front of me and giving me a lot of love and energy. It's been wonderful. Oh. Yeah. And I believe yeah. in the Jesus energy as something absolutely beautiful yes. that we all yes. have access to. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So um, yes. when I saw I... you uh, this summer, not this past summer, but the summer before that, last year, and we sat and, and we had lunch, and uh, one word kind of got into my mind, and you said, and I don't know what kind of context it was, but you said that we all have to submit to this humble, to, you said a certain humbleness, and that word impressed me so much because I said to myself, that is the word, <laughs> humbleness, yes, that's the word. Do you know what I meant by that? Well, because I, I, I hit you by something you said a long time ago, and I'm sure you have no idea what I'm talking about. But the word of humble, you know, being humble. Yeah, it's humbleness. I think is is the quality that we will attain when we get quiet. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, thinking less of oneself. What it does is it puts us in a different place from an attitude standpoint. And everything that we do usually is done from a point of attitude. Uh, mm-hmm. What What is your intention on this? What are, where are you coming from? You know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't know where you're coming from on this. Well, if a person lives their life in humbleness, then what they're doing is they're realizing that they are just the same as that guy who's walking down the street or coming down the street in a motorized chair or uh, on the corner with a sign saying, uh, help, you know, food. That we are all one. That's what we're saying. We're all one and also all one with source. Yes. With source. And, you know, I was in New York, and I did some speaking engagements there a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and I also uh, was participant in an expo. And uh, one thing that hit me this year more than ever before was the word source. Source came up, S-O-U-R-C-E, you know, mm-hmm. instead of universe and instead of God and uh, instead of the creator, it was the word source, to be one with source, to connect with source. And I know someone said to me, oh, what you are doing, what you are, you are a source connected. Uh, that's what we should call you, source connected. To, you're connecting people with the source. So that is the word that is suddenly 
come into fashion this year? Well, I think there's a good reason for that, and it's about time, I say. Um, people have been married, literally married, to the idea of God as Michelangelo depicted on the on the what the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and other paintings that God is has a human form, and of course that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So th- we have to use a word that uh, our minds, our our imagination can't put into a form because yeah. source source is not a form. Source is a is undescribable. You know, they call it the Alpha and the Omega. Well, that's close enough, you know, and that's about as close as you're going to get to to describing uh, anything and that has the extreme ability to supply what anything needs. <laughs> and I think that's about the only only way you can describe it, and it supplies everything and anything needs because it supplies energy. Yeah, it and it's is. the origin of where we are coming from, which uh, again is, uh, you know, everything. Uh-huh. So, um, so I, I see, yep, sorry. I think it's great that they're using the word because people people need to come away from the idea of God being physical and the idea that God yeah. being he, you know. That's I, another I, thing also. That, yeah, uh, I call uh, it To me, it's it's all, you know, and when I hear that voice, God's voice, so to speak, uh, which I do hear, it's not he or she, it's he, she, and it all. It's a package of everything. How can you put uh, the the young energy to to the highest, to the all-comprehensive energy of the universe? That, That doesn't make sense to me. It never made sense to me. Oh well, that's a very good answer to that. The guys who who printed the the first printings were all guys, you know, and that was yeah. a patriarchal society. So it was he. Of course, and it, uh, women have always been very obedient, so it was easy for them to to obey this he. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, but to me, it never made sense. And in fact, in my teens, I became an atheist because of the he and he concept of God. And then suddenly, and it was just like in a twitch of a moment, when someone said, and I was probably 20 or so by that time, and someone said, Father, Mother, God, and bang, you know, it was like my consciousness opened up, and I saw God as something completely different. And then it made sense to me. And everything came to me. (laughs) So we have just two minutes left here, and I uh, thought I would finish this show. Randall, um, can you give us your name, the name of your book again, and how they can find it? Yes, they can find it at www.onlyuno.com. O-N-L-Y-U-N-O. Onlyuno.com. www.onlyuno.com. And the name of the book is Life on Earth: The Game, a manual for those who didn't bring theirs. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's wonderful. And again, uh, I thank you so very much for being such a sport and receiving my emails about, oh, I lost my voice. We cannot do the show today. And you said, oh, just hang in there. I'll be here. I'll be on deck waiting for you anyway. And it, it really encouraged me. And I feel uh, it was a very good show. Yes. Well, I enjoyed it. I hope everyone who listened did too. And if they and if they didn't, they can certainly contact us, can't they? <laughs> yes, and you contact me, of course, at www.speakingtoyourheart.com. Speaking to your heart, all one word. Speakingtoyourheart.com, where you can also get my books, Constant Awakening, which you can get in any bookstore and at Amazon.com. And who am I, and where am I going? That's a great gift book, by the way. Who am I and where am I going? And I have three meditation CDs that you can also receive either through Amazon or through me. 
speaking to your heart. Thank you so very much, Randall. It was wonderful having you as my guest today. Randall Shelton, thank you, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein saying goodbye to you. Bye-bye. And thank you, Stephen Halpin, for, for letting me play your music, which I did in the very beginning. Bye-bye.